Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. They came by the thousands to protest the Los Angeles Dodgers, and man, good on them. And the Los Angeles Dodgers, we should be clear, this is a duplicitous group. This isn't just about being too cute by half. This is trying to have your cake and eat it too. Gross stuff. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Thousands of demonstrators head uh, to Dodger Stadium. It's the it's Friday evening, and it's the team's pride night. I, I do not know why everybody has pride night. I don't. I don't need to know. It does. It doesn't matter. What, what I what I think about is inconsequential. The Los Angeles Dodgers, who I admit I have a hard time saying Dodgers because every time I want to say Brooklyn Dodgers. What can I say? I'm super old school. The Dodgers are going to have Pride Night, and they're going to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Now, this is not an organization of any uh, uh, faith-based thing. This is a group of drag queens who pretend to be nuns and are all about being disrespectful of Catholicism or Christianity, Christianity, however you want to see it. That's this group. They're a really gross, ugly group of people. So when there's an initial outrage, the Dodgers say, okay, our mistake, we're not going to have this group. Well, then all the wokey wokes go out of their head, and how dare you, and you're such bigots. And then the Dodgers decide, okay, we're going to have this group. And Catholics say, what? And they show up outside by the thousands to protest. They protested in California. They protested in Los Angeles. This is what happened. They normally, I would argue, there would be some level of a a protester out there for LGBTQ plus pride night or whatever it is they call it. Remember, it's a political movement. It isn't about people. It's not about people. It's just not. But the Dodgers wanted to engage a group, support a group, honor a group that was absolutely about insulting people who are Catholic. Then they realize that they have very much upset a large part of their fan base. So what they do is they go about honoring the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. At the event, there are maybe 200 people in the entire stadium when the uh, the organization Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are um, are, are are glorified or are, no- are noted for their quote outstanding service to the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, there's no one there. Absolutely no one there. This is what it sounded like. And there's these two guys booing them. They're these two guys dressed as nuns with this face makeup and everything else out there, waving at everybody. So the Dodgers realizing they made a mistake, but being unwilling to stand strong and say, this isn't an organization we should be supporting. 
honors the group, but honors them so early in the event that nobody was there to see it. The Dodgers are a bunch of weakling children. They really are. Weak, weak organization. Cheap. You either stand by your thing or you don't stand by your thing. This, have your cake and eat it too. See, we were able to appease everybody. No, you weren't. You suck. And I'm willing to bet Dodger dogs suck too. That's their hot dog, people. I think people, I think it's pronounced Doyer dog as opposed to Dodger, but whatever, forget it. When I lived in Los Angeles, I didn't go to a Dodger game, mostly because I couldn't afford it. I'm certainly not going now. You can't crap all over people and then say, oh, but we did this. Too cute by half, Dodgers. Too cute by half. What is not cute is China. But China's got its own problems, and I think it's time we all broke down what they were. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. I'm chasing fire, but I'm running after you, you. Your message has consistently been that you are here to open up lines of communication to avoid a military clash. But you just said China did not agree to open that militarily to military mm-hmm. line of talks. Did Xi Jinping just say no? It's a work in progress. This is something that we need to do in the interests of both of our countries. That is not only to establish and reestablish and strengthen lines of communication across our government, which we have done, uh, starting with this trip, and I believe uh, visits to follow by a number of my colleagues and then Chinese officials coming to the United States, usually important if we're going to responsibly manage the relationship, if we're going to communicate clearly and try to avoid the competition that we have veering into conflict. But an aspect of that that really is important is military to military. Mm -hmm. We don't have an agreement on that yet. It's something we're going to keep working. I made very clear to our Chinese counterparts the importance that we attach uh, to that, uh, something that is also profoundly in their interest. Because again, we both agree that we want to, uh, at the very least, make sure that we don't inadvertently have a conflict because of miscommunication. Let's understand each other. China will decide there's a conflict anytime China wants to utilize the possibility of a conflict to further their interests. Now, Anthony Blinken may be a fool, but he ain't dumb. And he knows that this is the case. The words he is uttering now on CBS after his meeting with uh, President Xi Jinping, a president for life of China, is a well-scripted bit of soliloquy. Because of uh, misunderstanding. So Xi Jinping didn't say absolutely not. It was no, this is a, wor- not a commitment. This is a work in progress. We're working on it. Will the defense chiefs at least talk to each other? Well, again, to be to be seen. We've made clear that we think that's important, more than important, uh, imperative. Uh, I think the Chinese understand very well uh, because I made very clear where we're coming from on this, and we'll keep working it. Do you think the Chinese are now very clear? on where you, Anthony Blinken, are coming from on this? Do you, do you, do you believe that? Because that's, that's precious. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-468-8669. Uh, you know, I've been engaged in some of the conversations uh, that have come out uh, from this, you know, and, and uh where Blinken is on Taiwan independence and on on the idea of 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 the need for 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 growth, 
you know, um, you know, China's growth is good for us and how we take that and how I think Americans take that. I discuss China uh, and, and of course, their, their threat. But there is, of course, the, the threat that China is dealing with um, in, their, in their own nation, specifically to the idea of productivity and to age. People forget that the one China policy, I'm sorry, not the one China policy, that has to do with Taiwan, the one child policy, the one child policy is the disaster that was set about, what was it, 50 years ago, 60, 70 years ago? When was the one child policy? It was 1970, wait, 179, 1979? Is that really when it started? 1979? Yeah, it's, that's, that's after the death of Mao, of Chairman Mao. So 1980 to, because I think that's when it actually got implemented. That's when the letter went out from the, from the Chinese Communist Party. So 35 years, right? So now we're 40 years past it. But 35 years this was implemented, they could only have one kid and you were going to kill the girls. Right? That's what happened in China. Never mind how many uh, girls were killed under Mao anyway. This has caused a massive demographic issue regarding population. So first, you don't have the people who can actually do the work to be able to supply all of the dollars and opportunities that you promise people with your utopia of communism. And secondly, when a population declines, the country has less power. Now, you say, Tony, China has a far greater population than the United States, and even with decline, it would take them a long time to have a population less than the United States. You're talking about a country based on communism, not based on capitalism. You're not talking about creating great opportunity. You're talking about socializing the opportunity, and that never leads to greatness. Let me give you uh, the, the, the numbers. As is described by the Shanghai Academy of Social Sciences in an article called China's Coming Decline at National Review, the Chinese population by 2100, remember we're in 2023 right now, that is 77 years away. The population will decline to 587 million people. So let's do the, the, the quick calculation, shall we? If we take a look at the population of China right now, it's 1.4 billion according to worldometers.info. Wikipedia says it's 1.4 billion. Let's just state that it's 1.4 billion people in China. They're going to lose more than half their population by 2100. Are you kidding? That's insane. That is collapse. But it becomes more fascinating because the collapse doesn't come then. It's not a problem 77 years from now. It's a problem now. 
They don't have the population. They don't have the young people. They have an aging population that is going to demand services like, you know, food. And those services won't be there. Why is the population going to decline by about basically a billion? Because they're going to get starved out and you're going to watch it. Son of a gun. You're going to watch it happen. Guys, let's say you are, maybe you're 60. You've got another 30 years of watching it happen. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to tell you that's it. Maybe you can go longer. God bless. I'm just playing the odds. Please don't send me emails. Whatever you do. You're 26. You're going to be watching this for another 60 years. You are going to watch that nation decline. And that nation knows it. What do you think Xi Jinping is doing in these conversations? It's about a desperation to hold on to something because he sees his country falling apart and there ain't nothing he can do about it. And why? Because you can't just go about willy-nilly creating more Chinese people. You can't do it. You would have to build Chinese people. Only America can create more Americans by saying, yeah, come on in. Uh, Legally, of course, come on in. All right, this is what we believe in. You're in? You're in? You like that? You believe in that? Good. All right. Hey, welcome. Hey, good to see you. Call your brother, all right? Right on. China can't do it. China cannot do it. Economic growth depends on working age cohorts and someone named Nicholas Eberstadt. Utilizing data from the UN estimates that by 2040, the 15 to 29 age group in China will decline by 75 million, while the age group 30 to 49 will decline by 100 million. What are those? Those are peak ages for work, productivity, innovation, and managerial experience. They're going to collapse under the weight of their own incompetence. I swear to you, it's Atlas Shrugged. No one will be left who knows how to turn on the lights. China is heading back to the dark ages. And so China is very focused on the Belt and Road Initiative. They're very focused on Deep Blue. They are focused on doing now what they won't be able to do in possibly 30 years, never mind 50 years, certainly not in 77 years, which is have some level of domination to keep them safe and secure. That's what's happening. That is the geopolitical look that is necessary when discussing China. But it doesn't take away from, this is why I got into the conversation earlier as I was discussing Blinken, uh, the Secretary of State for the United States. China is still a threat. And to say otherwise is, is, is laughable. China is a military threat. And as they continue to work deep blue, which is the ability to run a navy, they become more so. They, of course, are a cyber threat and are working so every single day. They are a physical threat as not only they threaten Taiwan, but as they put their spy situation there in Cuba, their spy base, as they send over the balloons, as they continue to try and make contact and engage in aggression with uh, U.S. uh, fighter planes and other aircraft. 
All of this is designed to try and break us before it is too late, to get the world on their side before it is too late. Let me give you another bit of data that's uh, in, in, in this piece. And by the way, all this data can be challenged. I, I welcome people uh, to, to do it. A Stanford economist, Scott Roselle, the leading Western scholar of education in rural China, and according to Roselle and his team, more than half of China's middle school age students are either unable to advance to high school or choose not to, and a third don't complete junior high. So what his data is suggesting through this article at National Review, some 400 million future working age Chinese may be classified as, quote, cognitively handicapped with IQ scores below 90. So what happened? Migrant workers leaving their kids in the care of grandparents or or older siblings who had no education and therefore had no education to share. So therefore there was no growth, no advancement, no buildup of skills. It is incredible stuff. And it's weird to hear me talk about it because I'm having two conversations at the same time. And I want to ensure that you're having both conversations at the same time. China's internal issues are massive. And by the way, I would argue, based on the data that I've engaged, unstoppable. Their demographic issues, uh, their their inability to create. Remember, these are people who steal. The communists steal uh, intellectual property. They don't create anything. They have no capacity for creation, for innovation, and they have not worked people to be able to be innovators. They've worked people in the communist system to be takers. And then accept when the boot comes down on their neck, because after all, that's the price. You talk about all the people that the communism have has rised out of poverty, has brought out of poverty, have rised, who would say, I don't talk like that, has brought out of poverty. And you can argue that that's uh, true. Then, maybe now, not tomorrow. So yes, they are a threat in the seas, and yes, they are a threat to cyber, and yes, they're a threat to Taiwan, and yes, they're a threat in Cuba, and yes, they are a threat to our existence. Because they don't, have a choice these are death throes you gotta know what it is you're dealing with our problem is that we don't have an administration that knows how to exacerbate the situation how to hurt them in a way that furthers their own demise i don't want to see a billion people wiped off the planet don't get me wrong But we're all better off without a communist China. The world is better off without a communist China. The Uyghur Muslims would certainly be better off without a communist China. LeBron James, he's better off with a communist China. See, some people are still making cash. Everybody else in the free and thinking world would be better off without it. China has massive issues. And China is a massive issue. And I promise, I will get into more of this. I'll start bringing people on and we'll we'll really kind of dig in it's fascinating but when i listen to anthony blinken i wonder if we're right now in the place with the administration the attitude that could give china some openings to the possibilities of survival remember that 
when you vote in November of 2024. I'm Tony Katz. So let's ask the question, the question that is before the Democratic Party, the question that's really before America. Are the Democrats looking for another candidate? Are the Democrats asking themselves, in a full state of buyer's remorse, have we made the right decision in ensuring the renomination of this guy for president? All right. God save the queen, man. Is this the guy they should be going for? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. The phone number, 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. As I've been discussing that actual clip, which took place at a safer community summit, where they were talking about gun safety, and he ends his speech with God save the queen, man. What? what man? First of all, God save the queen. What the bloody hell? Man? As I stated, uh, Joe Biden is not okay. Joe Biden is too old. He is not aware of where he is. This is not funny. This is ugly and obscene. He's, he's just not there. But should we ask ourselves whether or not Democrats are getting serious this late in the game and bringing in another candidate? And you say to me, oh, so they're finally going to uh, pay attention uh, to Robert F. Kennedy Jr.? (laughs) Get serious, son. They will not allow Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on a debate stage. It's kind of nuts. They won't do it. They won't get anywhere near it. It's crazy town. They've said it. We're, we're, we're not going to have the debates. You'd be, it'd be ridiculous for Joe Biden to, to have to debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. After all, he's just crazy about, uh, his, uh, about uh, vaccines and this and that. The guy's got some good polling numbers, and I'm actually worried about it. I've interviewed him because my job is to do interviews, but man, if he comes on, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is a much tougher candidate to beat than Joe Biden. Just beware of that, Republicans. He's a much more difficult candidate to beat. Then there was this. MSNBC, which used to be... uh, Morning Joe, a show of intellectuals. Then, honestly, do you trace it back to when Joe and Mika got married? I don't know. But the show is not good. And one of the people they have on as a uh, an expert is Donnie Deutsch. Made his money in, in, in marketing. I don't know about his expertise. Politically, I do know about slobbering over somebody. Let's start with how the conversation starts. Noon. Right. Um... But very few television events that make people stop me on airplanes, uh, walking down the street in Boston, sitting at a Red Sox game, um, talking to my friends in Florida, uh, my relatives that have them all talking about Gavin Newsom. I bet you I've had 
10 people randomly <laughs> stop me about Gavin Newsom. And I'm a huge believer in anecdotal evidence. Uh, I saw it in my own campaign. I've seen it in campaign since. This interview struck a chord, and there are a lot of Democrats that want to see Gavin Newsom in the ring. That was Joe Scarborough, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California. He's he, they Democrats want to see him in the ring. Democrats want to see him run. There are two things at play here that are extremely important. Number one, is this a conversation now that's happening from the key host at MSNBC declaring that Joe Biden isn't good enough? Because I believe it's the declaration trying to sound the bell that before it's too late, Joe Biden isn't good enough. He'll blame it on the anecdotal evidence, but what he's saying is we got to get that old man out of here. That guy doesn't know where he is. God save the queen, man. Holy hell. But how does the Democratic Party come to an acceptance of the fact that Gavin Newsom would mean that they would nominate a white man, a straight white man for president? They already have a straight white man in the Oval, they have a straight white man who they won't let debate Joe Biden, and now Joe Scarborough, a straight white man, wants to pitch another straight white man for the presidency? How's the Democratic Party even do this? Now, leave that to the side just for a moment because I've been making that argument for forever about Gavin Newsom. There is no way, if it's not Joe Biden, that the Democratic Party is going to nominate another straight white man. I have said those exact words. Enter Donnie Deutsch into the conversation about Gavin Newsom. I have to tell you, if you haven't seen the whole thing, watch the whole thing, because that was just a snippet. That was just on California. But what was present from Gavin Newsom was facts, fact after fact after fact. And you don't always see that on Fox. And when basically when mm-hmm. Sean Hannity started to talk about the U.S. economy, he just knew some just just fired at him one after the other after the other. And you were going like, whoa, whoa, this guy really knows his stuff. I mean, I cannot remember seeing a politician that just just well versed on no matter where Hannity went. He had the answer. Clearly, Donnie Deutsch has never seen an interview with Ted Cruz. But, you know, he wants to praise uh, Gavin Newsom. Look at how adept he is. Adept compared to Joe Biden? Sure, I'll concede. Gavin Newsom is adept compared to Joe Biden. Also adept compared to Joe Biden? Clogs. This from Donnie Deutsch. He had the answer that was based on hard, cold facts. He made Hannity look silly, and it was kind of an expose on kind of what Fox does. They just throw out these random talking points about the U.S. economy sucks. And then Newsom was, no, it doesn't. Here's why. Bang, 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 I must say, for the record, the economy is not in great shape. That's Donnie Deutsch pretending in that regard. And I can point to a number of factors that show the problems. Even Scarborough is uh, saying something here. 
I, 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 need, I need to stop you there. Far be it for me to defend uh, other people on other networks. And if I did, I'd probably get in trouble. Uh, but let me just say uh, that, that what John Hannity said is what you've probably said and what your friends have probably said and what I've said about taxes in California, about taxes yes. in New York, yes. about taxes in Illinois. So what I think that's what made the debate so fascinating is Sean yeah. Hannity wasn't spitting out talking points. He actually was presenting Gavin Newsom with a really strong argument. In that one instance, but that really strong argument. But that's that's what I'm talking about okay. in this economic in that, argument and presented with a really tough case against Newsom. I thought Newsom did extraordinarily well with the counter. Now. Saying that somebody did well in a back and forth, saying that somebody did well in a conversation, that's that's great. People could do well in conversations, and I have no doubt that Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, a well-practiced politician who's been gearing up to run for president his entire life, I'm not surprised that he would have answers to questions, whether or not you agree with the answer, whether or not the answer is accurate, whether or not the answer is is is, is based on fact being secondary, but being able to hit back on things because he practices the thing. And I do love here that Scarborough checked his own guy. Smart move. But, of course, Donnie Deutsch is going to, well, be Donnie Deutsch, I guess. Yeah, I was referring to the rest of the interview. He was just going blanket statements about everything that was wrong and for everything he said. So, yes, that specific thing about tax problems in California. But his overall, you know, this country is just completely on the wrong track. Newsom had just incredible counterpunches. And I've been hearing the same thing you're hearing. That, that was a moment for Newsom. because you know, obviously we've seen him on the stage. We've, we, he's been in there. But that was the first time you saw him really in the ring. And he was incredibly impressive. This is MSNBC going full-throated for Gavin Newsom. Now, you could say, Tony, it's, it's Morning Joe going full-throated for Gavin Newsom. Let me rephrase. It is MSNBC introducing the idea that it doesn't have to be Biden. And that's something. I made the statement as clear as day after the State of the Union that Democrats have made their bargain They're going to go with Biden. There's nobody else who can do it. There's nobody else who could do it. They looked at Kamala Harris. (laughs) Then they looked at Pete Buttigieg. (laughs) That's actually him. That's actually his laugh. I just I just put it on the, 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 the loop there. And then who else could they look at? What other Democrat could they could they possibly possibly be looking at? And the answer is none. There's nobody else whom they could possibly be looking at. There's there's no one else to choose from. And what they have come to realize, what they have come to see is that having to default to Joe Biden is to default to this. All right. God save the queen, man. And that can't be defaulted to. That guy ain't okay. So what does one do now realizing that the Democrats see this? The Democratic Party sees it. 
And now you're having some real influencers into that party from the influential network of that party making declarations. Gavin Newsom just had it together. Gavin Newsom looks so good. Anecdotally, you know how much I trust the anecdotal evidence. Everybody's talking about Gavin Newsom. Oh... I've said it once, I'll say it again. You gonna tell me about problems within the Republican Party? Infighting in the Republican Party? Knock yourself out, go ahead, feel free, can't stop you. But I got this. I got this one-two punch. Whoo! I think things are gonna get real interesting real quick. I can't imagine that the Democratic Party would replace Biden on the ticket with another... Straight white man. But I should not be surprised at what bigots do. What? What? I can't say that? Pretty sure they tell me I can't say that, but uh, you know I'm right. You know that's how they're thinking. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Finally, some people engaged in some common sense. The story from NewsNationNow.com, New York City legislators oppose facial recognition for shoplifting. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is correct. The argument is going to be, oh, sure, these progressives, they don't want to actually go after shoplifters because it's going to lead to racial profiling because that's what they're going to say. Of course, that's what they're going to say. And of course, all this shoplifting, nothing more than a victimless crime. And these companies have insurance. Shoplifting is not a victimless crime. As has been explained, I think, and explained well um, by, by many uh, and 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 Fingers Malloy, who I do eat, drink, smoke with, is a, is a big proponent of this theory. If you do nothing but rob uh, your local convenience, not convenience store, drug store, right? Your CVS, your Walgreens, or what have you, and they start closing down. Well, the guy who is in his 80s and has to get his prescriptions filled now doesn't have the local pharmacy to get his prescriptions filled. Don't say. It's a victimless crime. There are people who will suffer through the thing in all sorts of ways. It's just this idea that, oh, a big company, oh, so they lost a couple of, uh, you know, rolls of toilet paper, a couple of uh, deodorant sticks. It's all right. They've got insurance. It's a gross way to think. It's certainly a non-American way to think, but Marxists aren't necessarily known for their intellectual prowess. They're known for their violence and, of course, their hostility to anybody who doesn't agree with them. So there's a lot of talk about, well, we need more cameras out there. We need to keep an eye on things. We need to be dealing with this and getting this information. More cameras creates a less free society. Just take a look at China. Take a look at what China has done with the social credit score and the level of cameras. The New York City uh, legislators could make the claim uh, that what it's going to, to, to do is that it's going to racially profile. But it's a weird moment that I'm on the same side as them, not, of course, for that insanity of a claim, but for the claim that enough is enough. We don't put ourselves on camera for government to watch and collect data on for the guise of safety. 
if you want to stop shoplifting, the first time you see two guys looting a CVS, 24 able-bodied men show up and beat the snot out of them. Now, you say to me, Tony, that's vigilante justice. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I just put it out there as something that would stop this from happening. But maybe I should say it a different way because the way I just said it is totally irresponsible. We shouldn't be doing that. What I'm discussing is a societal want to make it stop. And that would come from clergy, and that would come from culture, and that would come from the neighborhood saying, we don't do this. And yes, it could involve 10 guys being in a couple of the local places reminding everybody that we don't do this. In my uh, beloved Indianapolis, there is a Reverend Charles Harrison. And what he does, he's been doing it for years. He's trying to put an end to to the radical crime going on. So he founded this group and they go about walking neighborhoods and they put people in this neighborhood and that neighborhood and they walk the neighborhoods and they talk to the kids and they're bringing down crime because they are there and people know they're there like oh, I'm not going to I'm not I can't commit x cuz this group is watching you demand better from where you live and then where you live gets better that's how you end the crime It's not put up another camera and the people lose their rights because everything they do is, is, you know, tracked by some video. And then we decide whether or not your, 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 you know, your entire demeanor is worthwhile. That's what a Chinese credit score is. Did you smile enough? Were you, were you nice enough? That's the evil of it. So yeah, I oppose the cameras everywhere and I oppose the facial recognition. I do not oppose and I absolutely favor communities that want to demand better from where they live it doesn't have to be violent to do it you just have to demand better i'm tony katz